Father, we ask that you would help us now to see your majesty and we pray that we would respond in humility and in praise. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, uh, recently, I, I think, um, I don't know if it's uh, me, but I feel like there's been plenty of superhero movies that have um, hit the screen uh, recently. So you've got your Avengers, uh, you've got your um, Iron Man, Captain America, all those type of movies. And I feel like that there have been more so than in previous years. Now, there might be a good reason for that. Maybe today's special effects means that um, they can do superhero-looking things better and more convincingly. Or I wonder as well whether or not it's saying something about what we want in our lives as well. Don't you reckon like superheroes, they do stuff above and beyond what people like us can do? Don't you feel like that that the superheroes are the ones that kind of uh, have have the exciting lives and yet for a lot of us, we do live mundane lives, don't we? We get up, we eat breakfast... We save someone? No, no, we don't do that. We put on the news, we see how our world is in despair, we go to work and we earn money and then we come home, we eat. And I wonder when, because of the influx of superhero movies, we have a great desire, isn't there? There's kind of a a tension that we have as humans. There's a tension of, one, we, we do live a mundane life and that's part of life. But two, we do desire to achieve more. We, we, want, we think we're created for so much more. We want to fulfill our potential. We want to achieve things in life. And I wonder if you feel that tension of both mundane and wanting to achieve things in life. Well, I, I wonder um, how you would go about defining what does it mean to be human. And I think what we might do is, if you turn to the person next to you, I know this is going to be uncomfortable, but... Ask their opinion, what, how do you define what it is to be human? Go for it. A couple of seconds. Go. Okay. So I'm assuming everyone has sorted out the question... And because it's hot, we can probably go home. It's a big question, isn't it? I don't know uh, how you went with answering the question, but it is a big question, isn't it? And um, I expect we get all sorts of answers in, um, with our friends on the TV, things like, well, mankind is simply an animal. That's all it is, and that's all they'll be, simply an animal, part of the other animals. That's what mankind is. Or maybe mankind is, well, we are free, autonomous individuals to just go about doing what we want, how we want it, and when we want it. Uh, Maybe it's about, when we think of mankind, we think of the ultimate body, as in the sculpted body, not like mine, but that's okay. But the ultimate body, that, that kind of, that image is everything, that being the perfect human being is about being the sculpted body. So the question for us as Christians is how do we define what is man? Because it affects how you think about life, isn't it? If you think man is simply animals, then they can treat others whatever way animals treat each other. If we think that we're just autonomous individuals, we can just go about doing whatever we want, not caring about whoever we hurt. And if we're just simply bodies, then we just go to the gym, look good, 
eat protein. So what does Psalm 8 have to say about mankind? What does it say about men and women? Well, in in more movies, just because I I do like movies, there's a couple of quotes. People try and explain what humanity is about. And here's another one. Um, 2012, that, that, that one, it was a disaster film, and we're still here, so that's a good sign, isn't it? 2012. But in that film, they said, the moment we stop fighting for each other, that's the moment we lose our humanity. And you kind of go, yeah, there's something in that, isn't there? Or take Terminator Salvation, another quality film. The main character, Marcus, he's, he, I think he's got this monologue at the end. He says, what is it that makes us human? No, I don't, I don't think he did say, says like that. What is it that makes us human? It's not something you can program. You can't put it into a chip. It's the strength of the human heart, the difference between us and machines. And it's difficult, isn't it? Because if you think, if people look at the biology of people, they'll think, we are in some sense machine, aren't we? So what makes us different? Well, let's have a look at Psalm 8. Um, it's a psalm of David. Uh, you can see that in the bit before the psalm begins. And he, he wants us to start to un- answer the question by firstly looking out at ourselves. No. He's actually getting us to look away from ourselves. Verse 1, let's have a look. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. See, according to David, men and women are made to praise the Lord. We're built to give glory to the Lord. And in order to understand ourselves, we need to look firstly to God. We need to understand ourselves in light of who God is. And so that's, that's why I think verses 1 and 9, they, they kind of sandwich this psalm because they start with praise and end with praise that the Lord is majestic in all the earth. And so what does it mean to be majestic? Well, I think there's royal overtones, of course, that God is sovereign. And David opens this psalm declaring that God's glory in creation uh, is majestic. And it's referring to all the works that God has done in creation. And so what it means to be human first and foremost is that we recognise that God is the Lord. He is the Lord of the universe. And so we, we, we praise him. We marvel at how he can put all this together. How he can be sovereign over all the earth. And so David celebrates the work of God's name and character in creation and beyond. Now, I think it's tempting, isn't it? Because we want to derive our importance and our significance other than God, don't we? Um, have you read the book Eat, Pray, Love? Or uh, I, I, I haven't. I just want to just clear that up. But it, it wouldn't be bad if I read it. But there's a movie, uh, Eat, Pray, Love, and it's about a lady who, uh, going through difficult times, is reassessing life, and the way that she goes to find herself is by going overseas. Now, that's convenient if you've got a lot of money. But, but to, if you want to find yourself, going overseas won't help you to find yourself. Going to the scriptures and getting to know who God is will help you to find yourself. That's where David starts and that's really how we are to know about ourselves. We know God and then know for, therefore know ourselves. And so what humans are to do and how we are set apart from the animals is that we praise the Lord God who created. That is the first thing. Well, David then goes on to observe God's creation. And you can imagine David, he's a shepherd boy, he's out in the uh, fields, he's got his sheep there, and it's probably a beautiful 
kind of sky, clear as, and you can see all the stars in the sky, the moon is shining brightly. And so he starts to ponder. Verse 3, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. As David considers the vastness of creation, he somewhat feels very small. Uh, he looks at the moon and the stars are so incredibly beautiful and so beyond him, he starts to wonder why would God care for him? Wouldn't God, if he can do all this big stuff, why would he care for the little stuff? Um, uh, fast forward to today and NASA re- just released an image of, I can't pronounce this correctly, but, so I'm sorry for you NASA buffs and space buffs, but the Andromeda Galaxy, they took a picture and do you know how many pixels were in, was in the picture? You know how we have our uh, 8 megapixel cameras? This picture w- was 1.5 billion pixels and it boasts 1,000 times the resolution of um, a regular high-definition picture. And it's, you've got to remember, this is a galaxy that's two and a half million light years away. How do you think about that? We, we drove up to Coffs Harbour just recently. Maybe that? Is that? No. The image itself is 4.3 gigabytes in size. And the telescope can do 60,000 by 22,000 pixels. But it doesn't even... It doesn't even take a picture of the whole universe. It's just one galaxy. And you'd need the equivalent of 750 HD televisions. Do you think we could fill this place with 750 HD televisions? But it's that incredibly enormous. And so as NASA opens up the solar system, don't we feel even smaller than maybe what David thought? I don't even think we register as a pixel on this image. Because uh, in the image itself, it, they, they reckon that there's a hundred million stars. How do they do that? A oh. hundred million. But, but uh, it just shows you the vastness of just one galaxy, doesn't it? And I think if you were to purely look at creation and not worry about God and not worry about his word, then... What do you feel when you see that? Then you ultimately feel, feel like your life is so limited. You are mortal. You will die. You cannot change how things will happen in the universe or beyond. And so how can, if there is a God, how can I register on God's radar? I am so small and insignificant. I am not even a dot. I don't even rate but the good thing is that David doesn't just stay looking at creation. He knows that it's the God of the universe that looks at creation, but then what he does, he brings in God's word to inform him about how he's to view creation. And so instead of feeling down upon ourselves, instead of feeling insignificant and inadequate, what we find out is actually humans are very special. We are incredibly special to God. We are incredibly important to God and we are not forgotten. And so David goes on to answer that, so we've seen that mankind seems insignificant, but we're actually quite special. And we're special because of this. Men and women are crowned over creation. In other words, men and women, they're made to rule the world. 
Let's have a look at verses 5 and 6, just so that you know where we're getting it from. You have made them a little lower than the angels referring to humanity and crowned them with glory and honour. You have made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Now the, uh, the people at NASA wrote this about their their picture. They said, we seek to unravel the secrets of our universe, its origins and evolution, and search for life among the stars. Today's announcement, that's their picture, shares the discovery of our ever-changing cosmos and brings us closer to learning whether we are alone in the universe. But what David looks at, he doesn't look at the stars for that, he looks at Genesis chapter 1. See, in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 27, we know what our place is in God's universe. And that's what informs him as he, as he, he can say, we've been crowned with glory and honour. We've been made rulers over the works of God's hands. David looks at these and is so marvelled that the God who was created in such vastness has given us such an incredible role. And the role here is not just any type of role, it's actually a role to be an image bearer of God. That's the idea of being crowned with glory and honour. Whose glory? Whose honour? Well, it's got to be God's glory. God's honour, isn't it? And God has chosen us to, to image him, to show him all throughout the earth. So humans are to rule the world as a reflection of God. And Genesis, again, reminds us of being image bearers, being made like God to rule like God with glory and honour. And that's what we're to do. We're to show people God's kingship over God's creation. And God made us to rule the rest of creation under him. Now, have you ever wanted to be in the royal family? Come on, someone. You know, wanted to marry a prince? No, Millie. Okay, it's good to be clear. Um... Well, that backfired a bit, hey. Surely, um, um, you know, like, the, the, obviously there would be advantages with being part of the royal family, wouldn't you think? You'd, riches, I would think, would be one of them. Being well-known would be another. But I, I wonder if, you, um, if that's what Kate Middleton thought when she married and, but also forgot the responsibility as well. And there is great responsibility when you're part of the royal family. When you're part of the ruling family, there are responsibilities, aren't they, to express the rule. And so both when we come to rule God's creation, there is great benefit, but also we seek to rule God's creation rightfully and responsibly, don't we? Um, we're not, yes, we are still part of God's creation, but we are different to the animals. We take care of God's creation. We're to sustainably care for our world. We're to uh, rule and uh, relate to each other in ways that are helpful And we are to be on a different level to the birds, the sheep, the oxen and beasts of the fields. In some sense, we're on a different pay grade. I know it's a bit crass, but when you're on a different pay grade, you have more responsibility, don't you, to look after and to uh, care. But I think the thing we need to be reminded of is what is such a privileged position to be placed as rulers of God's world. And I think that's important, isn't it? Because um, once we realise that there is inherent dignity in humanity across both elderly, right to the baby that is forming in the womb, 
We know that's been given by God. We can't claim that our dignity is because of our achievements or our success or who we are. Even those who are disabled have great dignity and are given the role to rule the world under God. And so that's why we honour whales. No, we don't, do we? We don't honour whales over abortion, do we? Because whales are part of the creation, and yes, it is sad and we need to take care of them, but not at the expense of aborting children. We don't do that, do we? Because we know that they have inherent dignity because they have been given this position to rule. And you can't take it away from them. And you can't take it away from you. And so we need to recognise that all humanity has been given great importance. And so it means that we cannot be proud of our position and yet we cannot deny our position. Because if we deny our position, we are, what are we doing? We are dishonouring God. Because we are made in God's image. And if we think we, are, we, we, we don't have any responsibility to rule, then what are we saying to God in terms of being made in his image. So we display God's glory and honour in the incredible role that he has given us. And that is what sets mankind apart from the animals. One, we praise our God, the God of the universe, and depend on him. Two, we rule this world and we seek its betterment and we want it to flourish. But it's hard to believe this, isn't it? It's hard to believe that we actually rule this world, don't you think? I mean, sure, we, might, we, we have great achievements, antibiotics. We, we are able to uh, have vaccinations to cope with different sicknesses. We're able to uh, have water, running water. We're able to rule in that way. We're able to, able to, uh, look at, we're able to not be dominated by particular animals. We, we are, in some respects, ruling, but it's not quite there, isn't it? It's partial. It's incomplete. It's not how it's supposed to be. Um, Aiden's, uh, my, my son Aiden's starting, um, gotten back into, well, he's gotten into reading Narnia, uh, which is exciting because it means that I also um, get to hear and read as well. And in Prince Caspian, there's a little bit where Lucy, f- um, the four of them return back to Narnia and there's a beer that comes towards Lucy to, to kill her and to eat her. And um, that's unusual because the bears, um, they were to- they're talking bears, and this one has become wild. It's a wild bear. It looks like a talking bear, but really it's become wild at heart. And Lucy says, um, she's thinking about her, pl- wouldn't it be dreadful if someday in our world at home, men started going wild inside, like the animals here, and still looked like men? so that you'd never know which. And that is, that is, isn't it, really? We, yes, we look like humans, but, but there are times we don't act like human, don't, don't we? we have, there's something that, that's wild, because, that's kind of risen within us to make us not act as a way that God would act in his creation. I mean, you can think about um, young fellas beating up old uh, old men and women and stealing from them. Uh, I think there was one story of a homeless man who was lit up with, in fire by two youths. And you think, how is that human? How is that what it means to be human? And it just shows us it's not just that, isn't it? It's in our own hearts. We cannot rule ourselves. We find it difficult to, to even praise the Lord God 
We have failed to rule the world as we ought to. You know, just speak to a tsunami victim and ask how we've gone at subduing tsunamis. How do we go at subduing the stingrays at our beaches who've been sting? We can't even subdue our own passions when we speak to each other. We let go of hurtful words and we want to bring them back, but we can't even rule that. We fail even to rule over death. And why can't we? Well, it's, I mean, the simple answer is this, isn't it? It's because of sin. Sin has affected our world so deeply that we cannot, and even if we try harder, even if we would try harder not to sin, we cannot reverse the effects. We cannot reverse the damage we've already done. Because we essentially we are broken, we are shattered images of God's glory. And our efforts to rule will be impartial and incomplete. And so, really we are not glory and honour, are we? We are glory, part glory, but really part ruined. And so we fail to rule this world. But we don't give up hope because there is someone who isn't us who has done this perfectly, who has restored our position of glory and honour. And that is Jesus. Um, let's have a think about Jesus' life. Have you ever thought about the story of Jesus calming the wind and the waves? And what is, what, what, if, if you've been in Sunday school, what's usually the answer that we give when we say that Jesus can calm the wind and the wave? Why can Jesus calm the wind and the waves? Have you ever thought about why? What do we normally say? It's because he's divine. But that's not, that's actually not the whole truth, isn't it? It's actually because he's human. He can calm the wind and the waves to rule as the humanity, as the true representative of humanity should have been able to do. He is the one to be able to subdue the wind and the waves. Because of his humanity, he can fulfill perfectly ruling our creation. And so not only does he rule over creation in that respect, but he rules over creation in this overturning sickness and disease and death. And then ultimately he will die, won't he? So that we also will be able to have death overturned so that we can rule too. So I want you, if you don't mind, going over to Hebrews because that's the same question in Psalm 8 is answered in, Psalm, in Hebrews chapter 2. And this is where we'll end. I know it's hot. And you're doing well. Hang in there. This is the good stuff in Hebrews chapter 2. So Hebrews chapter 2, verse 5, and we'll read down to verse 10. And I want you to try to take note of of the Old Testament references. Um, Chapter 2, verse 5. You can find it on page 1202. It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come about which we are speaking. But there is a place where someone has testified. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? A son of man that you care for him. You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honour and put everything under their feet. In putting everything under them, that's humanity, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at present we do not see everything subject to them. But here it is. But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, but now crowned with glory and honour, because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect 
through what he suffered. Isn't it just incredible that although we don't, we see that the, the writer to the Hebrews understands that not everything is in subject to us, but we know that in the future world that everything will be subject to Jesus Christ. And the way that he went about it was that he who became God the Son, became God the Man, and was crowned with glory and honour. Why? Because he suffered death, the thing that haunts all of us. And so Jesus restores our glory. And it's only when we come to Christ where we can actually trust and praise our Lord God. But not only that, it's only now that we can actually start fulfilling our position to rule the world to rule the world in such a way that is shaped by the kingdom of God, in love to look after the world, but also to look forward to the time in the future. You see, we're part of the royal family. Do you see that Jesus calls us his brothers and sisters? And so we belong to his rule. We share in his ruling. And we can only do that by trusting in him. And so as you think about your life now, if you trust in Christ, then you can start ruling in a way which honours Jesus and as you are shaped to be like him, then you live out your life in a way that rules like him in caring for his world and in seeking to live for the kingdom. But we always, I think, isn't Jesus majestic? I mean, doesn't Jesus fill you up with hope and joy because he represents us and he doesn't fail He is the true representative of the human race and we cling on to him, don't we? Even though his ministry is marked with suffering and death, he goes ahead of us in securing God's future and we know that that future will be perfect and order and justice will be what will be the flavour of the world to come. And we're we're no longer slaveries under death, but we can live out ruling without even worrying about the costs of death because we know that we will live through because of Christ into the future. But it's important, isn't it? We need to sustainably still care for our world. It is given under our care. And so, uh, um, so uh, I'm not very good at this, but um, I, um, one of the things I do is ride my bike and um, it's, it's, a, it's a small, insignificant way but it recognises it's just one little way to realise that we're here to lovingly, sustainably care for the world. Even though we know that it's going to be perfected when Jesus returns, we live this new way of life, seeking to honour Christ in the kingdom and living, bearing good news to those who aren't in the kingdom as well. Well, finally, I want us to see that our importance and our Dignity comes from being made new in Christ and not by who we are. And so if you're struggling, you're finding that life's hard and it's not full of achievement and you're down on yourself, you can be encouraged to see that you've actually been made into a privileged position. And that is through Christ Jesus our Lord and he will share his privileged position with you. And so I hope uh, this helps you to praise Jesus. And I want you to, if you were to praise him, you would say, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is Jesus in all the earth. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you so much that uh, despite the fact that we have failed to lovingly care for this world, to uh, lovingly rule in such a way to have healthy relationships with each other and to care um, for the weak and the vulnerable, that you have done something about it in Christ Jesus.
We thank you that in his death and resurrection that you have saved us from the dominion of darkness and that you've brought us into the kingdom of light and that you've forgiven us and that we can be freed not to be slaves to death but to seek to live uh, lives as we will one day reign with Christ. And so we thank you that we are now seated in the heavenly realms uh, sharing with our big brother Jesus Christ who not only is our brother but our great king and saviour. Amen.